It is good. It is well. It is well. Hey, I, I'm really excited this morning uh, for, for, for a number of reasons. Um, but I love, I love the topic. One, this topic this morning is one of my personal favorites. And, I, and that's because at, at any given day throughout the week, you, you could find me at Cheddar's. You, you could find me at Einstein's. You could find me at Starbucks. Any restaurant, any place, Blue Springs, Lee Summit, any given day, I'm somewhere. And that's because I love to eat. I love to eat, and I love to hang out and spend time with people. And so this morning, uh, I, I'm excited because uh, that, that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about fellowship. Right? The title of the sermon is, is Detoxing from Distance. It's our last, our last week in the series Detox, and it's detoxing, detoxing from distance. And so the opposite of distance is closeness. It's fellowship with one another. And so that's what we're going to hang out in this morning because God has called us to fellowship. Christ has called us to fellowship, to closeness with one another. And that excites me because that means all of us on a weekly basis should be in Cheddar's, right? Should be at Applebee's. We should, we, we, we should pack, pack the restaurants in Blue Springs because we do fellowship so well together. People should be like, oh yeah, here comes the gateway crowd in here again, hanging out. They're going to close the place down because we should. We should be known, Christians should be known for celebrating well, for doing life together well. People should look at you and go, why do you celebrate life? Why do you enjoy life so good? What is it that allows you to say it is well in my soul in the midst of this culture? Because you, what, what, what is it allow, what, what is it allows you to say it is well to the point where you can enjoy life to the point where somebody goes, what is it about you? What is it about you that you can do this? Because I look around and I, and I don't see a whole lot that gives me reason to celebrate like you celebrate. Christ is the reason why we can go, it is well with my soul. And I can do life with other people. And I don't have to stay at a distance. I don't have to stay at a distance. I don't have to play it safe at a distance from everybody. Because it is well with my soul. Because, what, because of what Christ has done for me. Because of the victory that I have in Christ. It is well, and so therefore, let's celebrate. Let's do things together. And so just so you know what's happening this morning, there's, there's going to be some different things that are happening. Uh, and, and as a church, we wanted to provide a platform and give you ways to encourage you today to do fellowship with each other. And so one of, one of the ways that we're, you know, that, that, that we're encouraging you is I have a bunch of gift cards up here to different restaurants. I got I got gift card to Red Robin, two gift cards to Red Robin. Anybody in here like Red Robin? Yeah, yeah burgers are good. The fried egg burger is good. I got a gift card to Applebee's. Anybody like Applebee's? Yeah. Lawn had two hands up. Anybody else got three hands? No. I got a gift card to Texas Roadhouse. Who likes rolls? Hey. Yes. And I got one to McDonald's. All right. I like McDonald's. Yeah, that could, that's a, that, that could be a good coffee date, 
right? McDonald's, or you could take one of our high school students out to get some McDonald's. And so here's the deal. I got these gift cards up here. There's five of them. I'm going to challenge you with this. Throughout the morning, all right, as God speaks, if he prompts you, if he says, hey, Faith, hey, Tyler, hey, Casey, hey, Matt, if he says, hey, you're supposed to go out to lunch with somebody, you're supposed to invite somebody out to lunch, I want you to just pop your hand up. You, you, you got a hand right here. Which one do you want? McDonald's, Texas Roadhouse, Applebee's, Red Robin. Which one? Texas Roadhouse. Okay? Through the sermon, God prompts you, hey, I'm supposed to take somebody out to lunch. I need to invite somebody to go do fellowship. I want you to pop your hand up. Okay? And I'll get you a gift card. After the service... There will be taco soup and chips that have already been prepared uh, by Adam Truax out in the hallway for you to grab and invite another family into your home to come have lunch with you. Now, I get it. You already started squirming because you didn't clean the house. You didn't vacuum, which would throw my wife for a complete wreck, a mess. There's baby toys all over the living room, okay? And so you already started squirming, but let me just say this. That is so, it's, that, that's so horizontal. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you're going to sit at the table, have lunch, enjoy company. And no one cares that there's baby food mushed into the carpet. Nobody cares that there's dog prints, you know, in your floor. Nobody cares at the end of the day. When, they, when, when, when you lay your head down at night, you're going to go, that was a good encounter. That was a good experience. Not, I didn't get to my carpets today. Right, Sarah? I didn't get to my carpets. All right? So I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to remind you at the end right now, as you walk out, so be thinking about, be looking around, who am I supposed to have over for lunch? And grab some taco soup and some chips on your way out the door. And if it doesn't taste good, call Adam. Send Adam an email. Okay, I'm sure it was. He, I, you got the recipe out. Pinterest, is that right? Oh, okay. Lisa Geyer. Call Lisa Geyer if it doesn't taste good. Okay? So just prepare yourself now. Okay, because I'm challenging you. Let's do fellowship. Because what would it look like today if the community of Blue Springs was just stormed with families at restaurants in each other's homes? Celebrating life, doing things that truly matter. And so, why detox from distance? If you got your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to get there in a second. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, we're going to look at the early church. It's a passage where probably most of us are familiar with. It's one of the founding passages of this church. But before we get there, I want to look at what, what, what one of the reasons, one of the things that's caused us to live at a distance. And here's the reality. We live at a distance from, from, from ourselves. This thing causes us to live at a distance from ourselves. It causes us to live at a distance from each other. And it causes us to live at a distance from Christ our own relationship with Christ. And that's not what we're called to. Distance is not what we're called to. And so the, the number one catalyst for why we live this way is the, is the cultural trends, the evolution, the ever-growing, ever-use of technology, right? 
If you know what I'm talking about, let me hear it. Woo! You know what I'm talking about. It's no secret. A lot of us get frustrated with it. A lot of us are frustrated with ourselves because we know it has negative side effects. And we get frustrated. I know my wife's like, stop looking at your email. Stop doing this. I get frustrated with myself because I know the negative side effects of being distant from my wife. And so we know that this thing called technology has created this distance. And and the tricky thing about technology is this, is while we're distancing ourselves from one another, from ourselves and from Christ, we think we're actually plugged in because we're always accessible and we're always communicating with somebody on some type of platform. But because, it, but, but because it's through you know, radio waves, I don't know if that's the right word, all right, but because it's not in the presence, it's not in the proximity, it's not interpersonal, it's, it, it depersonalizes everything. We don't see people's uh, emotional cues, facial expressions. We don't see somebody's body language. We're not forced to, to, to empathize with somebody on the spot. We can come back to that later. And so this, this communication becomes this depersonalized thing. It's no longer personal. I know it's much more personal when somebody shows up to my doorstep or somebody calls me and says, hey, let's grab lunch than it is when I receive a text message. I'm not saying there's something wrong with a text message. I get encouraging text messages every day from long. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's something different about being in the presence of somebody else. And the reason why there's something different about that is because that's the way God's designed us to be in the presence of other people, to do life with other people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, says, beware of the man who's in solitude, but not in community. He goes on to say, beware of the man who's in community and not in solitude. You need both. You need both. But we're, we are to do life together. Because it's no secret, one of, the, one of the negative side effects of the technology is not only it creates this distance from ourselves, because we no longer take the time to tend to our own souls, it creates this distance from other people and with Christ because we're always distracted. There's health issues. The studies, is, and it's not, it's, not, it's not just you know, people's opinions and blogs, research studies have shown you know, the, the, there's this thing now which is just mind-blowing to me called internet addiction. It's a real thing because there's certain endorphins that are released when you receive a like, when you receive a text. And it's the same endorphin used, that, it's the same endorphin released when you do cocaine. Isn't that crazy? And so there's internet addictions and studies have shown that people with internet addictions show more symptoms to be hopeless more symptoms of loneliness, more symptoms of depression, more symptoms of suicide. Or you think the suicide rate in our young, young adults and children has skyrocketed. It's, it's connected. It's connected to technology. 
And so, you know, like we started this series in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, I kind of put this umbrella verse. You know, God asks us to cleanse every defilement within us. Get rid of what is not him, because he has called us to set apart and holy. And technology and distance from one another and distance from yourselves, we need to, we need to run from. We need to run from. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Get this, to unite the reason why Christ came died, resurrected, three days later, the reason for to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Christ built his blood to unite us together and we can't do fellowship. We can't do fellowship without the blood of Christ. It's the thing that he died for, our sins, and so that we could be united with each other and united with God. So for us not to live in closeness, for us to continue in distance, is to spit on the cross. I know that's candid, that's direct, but that's what it is. We neglect what Christ has done on the cross if we choose not to live in fellowship with each other. We spit on the life and the blood of Christ when we don't do life together because he died to unite all things in him, including you and I. And so the reason why we flee from distance and we pursue fellowship with one another is because that, when we do that, we understand the cross and the right perspective. We understand the cross in the right perspective. When we choose to do life together, when we choose to commit to one another, when we choose to commit to the local church. See, being part of a member of a church is more than I'm in some club or I have access or I, I can vote or I got this title, yeah, I'm a Christian because I'm a member. No, committing to the church is because you have a right perspective of the cross. Because if Christ died for the cross and he died for the local church, will you give up technology for the local church? Which one do you want? McDonald's, Applebee's, Red Robin. Red Robin. Pass that back. Thank you. We get a right perspective of the cross when we go, yeah, I'll be a part of the local church. And so what I want to do this morning, we've had some, some, some people go through our, our, our new membership class, all right, recently, and I'm going to ask them to come forward this morning. We're going to affirm them because this is what's happened. These people have cho chosen to live in fellowship, have chosen in this covenant relationship with the local church to serve the church, to do fellowship, to do life together. Okay, so I'm going to call these names and they come forward. I'm going to follow the canon. Delisa Gobble, Dion LaVar, Jim and Cheryl Riley. If you guys could come forward.
Come on, come on, come on. Okay, and I want to encourage you with this, challenge you with this. If you don't know the people that are standing in front of you, maybe, maybe, maybe these are the people that you need to have lunch with today, that you need to do fellowship with today. Okay? So I'll put them on the spot. So I, I, th- these people up here this morning should have somewhere to go for lunch. Okay? And so like gateway, like gateway fashion, what I'm going to do to affirm, if you want to affirm these people in front of you as members of Gateway Church, I'm not going to ask you for a big, loud yes this morning, but I'm going to switch it up. We're going to do woohoo. Okay? Let's practice that. Woohoo. One, two, three. Woohoo. Okay. So if you're all in favor of affirming the people in front of you to be a member of Gateway Church today, let me hear it with a big, loud woohoo. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Acts chapter 2, starting verse 42. Here's a picture of the local church, and I'm going to give you a little background about what happened leading up to this point. Okay, Jesus, uh, you know, at the end of the Gospels, you know, is crucified on the cross. You know, he resurrected three days later, and then he comes back and visits his disciples, okay? And he tells his disciples, I got to go. You know, early in the book of Acts, you know, Christ, he ascends back to heaven. He goes, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit down. It will be your guidance, your strength, all right? And so he ascends into heaven. The disciples are in this, you know, in the upper room, you know, and at this time, you know, they're probably, uh, you know, the Christians aren't well accepted, okay? Christ, their Savior, their Messiah was just crucified. They're not really accepted, and so they're hiding out, and Christ makes the appearance to them. Excuse me, the Holy... Christ already ascended into heaven, okay? While they're in the upper room, the Holy Spirit is sitting down onto the disciples, and they start speaking in tongues, okay? The Jewish people that are around hear that all these disciples are speaking the mighty works of God in their own native language. And so what they suppose is that these disciples are drunk. These guys are crazy, they believed this guy was the Messiah. We hung him, and now they're speaking in this, you know, talking a bunch of nonsense. Okay? And so they accuse him. They suppose that they're drunk, and Peter steps up. Peter, you know, steps up to the plate and goes, no, that's not the case. We're not drunk. Here's the deal. And he lays out the gospel story for these Jewish people. Lays it out for them. You know, and right before Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that these Jewish people who heard this message, who received this message, were cut to the heart. They were convicted that they had just killed the Messiah. And they said, what do we do? And Peter says, repent. Repent. And so they did. And so then we pick up in Acts 2, 42. Through 47. This is right after. 41 says, Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then this is where you get the movement of the early church, the springboard 
of this Christianity, of this fellowship, of this life lived together. Verse 42, if you don't have your Bible, it's in your bulletin. Follow along. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship. That word fellowship in Greek, and I'm going to butcher it, and that's not acceptable because I'm in Greek right now, is koinonia. Okay? And that word just means the definition, it's participation or sharing. It's participating in life together. It's sharing life together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That's the response. What do you want? Don't matter. Applebee's. I think I'm going to buzz if I cross the speaker. I don't, I don't want to do that to everybody. That's all right. Thank you. The natural response to hearing the gospel, remember, because Peter just laid out the gospel for him. And what they turned around and immediately did following after that was they did this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to hearing, learning about the word of God together and doing life together. So ask yourself this question. What, is my, what has been my response to hearing the gospel? Has it changed me in that type of way? Has it changed? Has the gospel changed me in that way? Verse 42, to the breaking of bread and prayers together. They did communion together. It also covers, it also means they shared meals together. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to share meals together. And to prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Here's the reason why they had all things in common. Because you can turn to the person in here. You can turn to your left or to your right. You may not know the person. There's a lot of things you guys might not have in common. You don't, probably don't share the same interests or the same hobbies. But they had the reason why they had all things in common is because they had Christ in common. They all recognize I'm a sinner who's been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And the best is yet to come for me. They all had that in common, which means they had everything in common. They had everything in common. And it allowed them to do life together. Because typically, your friends are your friends because you share interests, you share hobbies. When you share Christ together, there you go. We should be able to have lunch with people in here we don't know, regardless if we have the same hobbies or interests, because we share Christ. And He's the bond, He's the bond of peace. He allows for fellowship. They had all things in common. And what it looked like, what does it look like to have all things in common? And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. You know, it's interesting to know, to know if somebody has a need requires you to be in closeness with them. So here we go. We will fail at mercy as a church if we don't do fellowship together. 
we will fail at meeting the needs of each other in this room if we don't do fellowship together. Because we won't know that there are needs. The reason why they distributed and gave and no one had need is because they knew what the needs are because they were in life together. And day by day, attending the temple together, they came to church together. That was a priority for corporate worship, for corporate prayer, to all sit under the apostles' teaching. It was a priority for believers. Is it a priority for you? And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Get that picture, because even in my home, because I'm talking to myself this morning too. Think about that picture of what it would look like to sit around the dinner table with a glad heart, a good spirit as you eat with other people and as laughter is occurring because all people have one thing in common and that's Christ. And so therefore, it's well with my soul so I eat with gladness and a generous heart and it's good. And we celebrate. And that, that, that life is so freeing. That life tastes good. No pun intended. That life tastes good. They ate with glad and generous hearts. Praising God. Praising God. When's the last time you had people over in your home and you just worship God? I'll be the first to admit, I've never done it. I want to change that. I want to have friends over and we just spend that, we just worship God together. And praise God and having favor with all people. And we're going to get back to that, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. We're gonna to get to it right now. Having favor with all people. The reason why these early Christians, as they did life together, had favor with all people, meaning people who weren't Christians. And you look at our culture today, and you go, look at the division and the hostility between you know, non-believers, believers, different religions. You look at the hostility, it says that these believers had favor with all other people. Why was that? It's because people saw the authenticity, the non-hypocritical, pure gospel changed lives lived out in front of them, and it was attractive. They looked at them eating together, celebrating together, going, yeah, that's good. I don't have anything against that. They looked at each other taking care of their needs, and people went, yeah, that's good. I don't have anything against that. I'm for that. They looked at them and saw that they were unified. And they were like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Me and my five friends, we can't even be unified on where we're going out to lunch. That's good. That unification is good. They had favor with all people. So you doing life together is a form of evangelism. 
You want to know how, how, how can we take the gospel into our community? Do life together and let people see it. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we sang in that second song that we sang. Adam, what was the title of that song? You know, Center. The second song we sang, Center. One of the lines in there was, you know, Jesus is the center of the universe. He's the center of the universe. So ultimately, when it comes down to it, why do we do fellowship? It's because Jesus did fellowship. Jesus stood for fellowship. He's the center of everything. If he's the center of everything, we want to model what Jesus did. And so let's look at the fellowship, what fellowship looked like in Jesus' life. Don't flip there, but I'm going to show you. Because everything about his life was not distant. There was nothing about his life that was distant. Everything about his life was intimate. Everything that he did was intimate. Whether he was alone, he was intimate with the Father. Or if he was with people, he was intimate. His coming was, instant, was intimate. Philippians 2, 6 through 7 said, Who though he was in the form of God, did not account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Here's the son of God in heaven. Emptied himself of the glory he had with the Father so he could be with you. So he could be in the presence of us. So he could walk the earth. That's how important it was for him to come. And B, walk this earth with us. He emptied himself of what he had in heaven. It's intimate. There's nothing distant, distant about that. John 3, the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. And Nicodemus asked Jesus, hey, how, how's, one, how's one saved? How's one get to heaven? Jesus responds to him and says, truly, truly, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says this to a Pharisee who lived his life on obedience to get to heaven. I've got to be obedient to the point to where I get there. And Jesus says, no, you can be obedient all you want. The one that gets to heaven is the one that's born again. Jesus spoke the truth. He was poignant. When you speak the truth, that's intimate. It's difficult. John 4, Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. It doesn't get much intimate than this. Jesus asked this woman, hey, go get your husband. The woman says, I don't have a husband. Jesus' response is this, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I feel like hanging out and doing life with Jesus would probably be like running through a cactus field with a blindfold on. Like what's about to prick me next? But here's the thing. It was intimate. He was concerned about the eternity of this, uh, the eternity of this person's soul. 
It was intimate. He didn't settle for shallow, shallowness, shallow conversations. I can't stand the number one response I get from students when I see them during the week. Hey, how's your week been? I don't know. I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't know. It's so it's just shallow. Being, you know, I'll move on. Jesus, John chapter 8, has an encounter with an adulterous woman. And the Jewish people are about to stone her. And Jesus walks out and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You who without sin, you know, cast the first stone so they all flee. And Jesus tells the woman, where are they gone? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. It doesn't get any more personal than to know your Savior doesn't condemn you and has forgiven you and says, go. Last one, John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I love this. One of my favorite passages, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as I and the Father, just as the Father knows me, and just as I know the Father. Jesus is personal, intimate to the point, when the wolf comes, when Satan comes to attack, he doesn't flee, he doesn't run, he stays and fights, he stays and protects, he stays and gives up his life because you are his. That's personal. That's fellowship. His death was intimate. Pierced with a spear, hung on the cross by his people. Betrayed by his people. His death was intimate. His resurrection was intimate. I love this. In John 20, he appears to a weeping Mary who comes to the tomb, sad and strucken. And he appears to her and says, hey, Mary, calls her by name. Calls her by name, Mary turns around. He's just elated. It's intimate when you're able to be the comfort for somebody. He appears to his disciples who are hiding in fear and says, peace be with you, shows up on the scene. It's intimate to be peace for somebody. That's why we fellowship at the end of the day. Because if Christ is the center of our lives, if he's the center of everything, then we ought to model what he's done and lived out for us. And that's doing life together. And it's good. It means that we've got to set some things aside. It means we've got to change some habitual habits we've got. But there's fullness to be found when we do it together. And it's good to celebrate. I've never been mad after leaving Applebee's. I've never been mad. That's a, that's a, it, it, it should be a promise in the Bible. You'll never be mad after leaving Applebee's. All right? 
And so that's my challenge today. I got two gift cards left. One to Red Robin and one to McDonald's. We got one up here on the bleachers. Which one do you want? McDonald's, Red Robin? Red Robin. McDonald's. Students, who's taking, who's taking somebody out to eat? Jackson? Jackson's taking McDonald's. You have to get your dad to drive you, though, okay? I know you're a go-kart racer, but you can't drive yet. Dan, can you hand that up for me? Thank you. So here's the deal. Here's the challenge for us all this morning. Okay, if you didn't receive a gift card, that's okay. We didn't forget about you. As you head out, there's taco soup and chips. And it's for you. You don't have to have your house cleaned. You don't have to know who you're having lunch with yet. Because when I say break, we all better figure out right here in this room who we're having lunch with. If you got plans, I want to tell you, ditch them. You know, but if they're really important, I can't tell you that, okay? But don't make an excuse. Don't make any more excuse because when we do fellowship together, we think rightly about the cross. We think rightly about the cross. Amen? Let's go. Thanks for coming. Let's celebrate. Break. Break out. <laughs>